And of course, I am thrilled to be here in the Central Hall in Westminster. My grandparents came here because Grandad worked on the railway, so they got free tickets and came to London for the weekend. And uh, came, they had to get here early for a seat to hear Dr. W.E. Sangster. And they could still tell me as a little boy what he preached about on the two occasions that they were here. And uh, I brought my Laura here on our honeymoon, one of the first services that we attended. And we sat just in the middle down there. And uh, so this is special to us. Laura still has kept the printed order of service from that day. I know it was sponsored by Lord Tonopandi. <laughs> And what can I say about your new superintendent? Well, I can say an awful lot. <laughs> because he is one of my dearest brothers. I mean, I've got him worried there. Uh, when, when Martin took up the post as the principal of Cliff College, uh, I also, that same September, took up the post of the director of evangelism. And I was, uh, Martin had this magnificent study. It must be the best one in Methodism, wasn't it? It's the size of a, of a bungalow. I mean, it's an enormous. And his, his books, well, he still didn't have room for them all. But anyway, all the books were in there. And I was just upstairs. And still now I can see myself running down the stairs. And his door would be open and going in. And my ministry, my life has been so enriched by this brother. And I'm not ashamed to say that. He was my tutor when I studied for my MA at Cliff College. And uh, Martin's gifts in teaching are exceptional. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed to say that I owe a great deal to my brother. He's going to start kicking me in a minute. But anyway, uh, he and Helen are dear friends to me and Laura. And if friendship is a gift of the Holy Spirit, then they have it. Because it is exceptional the way that they befriend and love people. So I'm chuffed that they've come here to Westminster Central Hall to share with you. And I was here on Thursday and it was marvellous because Paul was just showing them round and talking about the place. And I just felt so excited and thrilled just coming round with you. I had to come because uh, Jill and I were due at Lambeth Palace and I'd forgotten my black suit that I should have had to wear for it to look proper with everybody else. And so Tony... Uh, I was wearing the clothes that he's now wearing. <laughs> because, no, no, not all of them. No, sorry, I mean, not just, the, sorry, no, just his cassock. Because, because Bishop Tim of Truro told me that if I'd not got my black suit, instead of paying a fortune for one from Moss Brothers, give it to the missionaries and, and borrow a cassock. So I was able to borrow his cassock, and that was good. Except I was the only person wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> I think they thought that I was thinking I was a bit of summit, really, you know. But anyway, we um, we got through it, didn't we, Jill? Love? We did. Even though the man who took the picture for me on Facebook said, "Are you going to a bishop?" Uh, he said, "Are you going to a vicar and tarts evening?" <laughs> oh dear. But we got there. In fact, I've been having. You see. Normally, the president of the Methodist Conference does presidential visits, but I'm an evangelist, so I'm on mission all the time. So I'm all the time looking out for opportunities to be able to share the good news. And I want to fill in just a, a few things about that, uh, and in the context of this beautiful service. 
And those scriptures that have been read tonight are very powerful scriptures. There in Isaiah, by his wounds we are healed. What a sermon I could preach on that. It's the, the wonder of the cross in the place of healing is a very amazing place. And I want to say as we gather tonight around the Lord's table, the cross is central in this healing. Jesus was totally vulnerable upon that cross. I mean, we, or the Catholics, put a little Jesus on it and they give him the last ounce of decency with a loincloth. But actually, it wasn't like that. He was naked. It was just total humiliation and pain. And my favourite resurrection appearance is after the stranger on the road to Emmaus breaks the bread and they run back to tell everybody else he's not dead, he's alive. They've already heard that and he's appeared to Peter. And, and then Luke writes, suddenly the risen Jesus appeared in the room and he showed them his hands and his side and they could not believe for joy. You see, the wounds of Jesus are very significant for us as Christian believers and they are very significant in the place of healing. Now, I mentioned our Roman Catholic friends a moment ago who illustrate, and if you've been to Italy in some of the churches there, it's illustrated very gruesomely and graphically how Jesus died and bled for us upon the cross. And we in the Protestant church, uh, the nonconformist particular, we've verbalised those wounds. And, uh, and so some of the books, historical books on Methodism that I've got, sermons, there's several of them that are on the theme is the blood of Christ. Now, it's, it's rare to hear a sermon these days about the blood of Christ. That doesn't mean it isn't significant theologically, because it is. But when, if I was to start off now preaching about the blood of Christ to you, it would be because I was talking about the love of Christ. Because that's what the blood means. The love of Christ for you and me. He loved us so much that he died for us there on the cross and appeared, now this is significant, appeared with the wounds still. That matters. The Reverend Robert Senior is one of my ministers in the Cornwall District. Twelve months ago, we had a wonderful service after he'd already sat down and superannuated. He started again because he just can't get mission out of him in the good news. And at Christmas, he rang me. It was the 16th of December. He said, Steve, I've just come out of the consultant's office. And he's told me I've got an inoperable tumour in my groin. Now, like you tonight, and like I know Bob, prayers for healing are very important. Now, I want to say that, sadly, I took Bob's funeral on, Thursday, on, Thursday, no, on Friday. I took Bob's funeral. And my, 
he faced cancer with such remarkable faith. Of course, as his district chair, I talked with him, he's in the sometimes in Hale circuit, about us drafting someone else in while he and Shirley just, he said, Steve, I am a Methodist minister. I am ordained a Methodist minister. I want to teach the people in my circuit how to die with faith. When he first went into the hospice, I went down, St. Julia's, I went down to see him. When I went in his little room, he said, oh, you've just missed me. I've just been ringing Manchester about the sale of the caretaker's cottage at the land. (laughs) He kept going and ministering right to the end, even to the cleaners and the nurses in the hospice. He shone for Jesus. Bob, a Falklands War veteran, MBE, great man of faith. I, I shall miss him. He was a dear friend. And we talked about the wounds of Christ because he had one particular day where he was in excruciating pain. And he talked to me about that verse in the hymn, O love that will not be, or joy that seeketh me through pain. He said, you know, I understand that now. He said, Christ is the joy, and remember, joy is different than happiness. Christ is the joy, and in my pain, he seeks me out to comfort me. And Jesus stands with those in pain, and I don't know what your needs are here tonight, but Jesus stands by you, and with Jesus are the wounds and he says to you I too have suffered and in all his risen glory he still bears those wounds for us oh hallelujah for our wonderful healing Jesus And thank you, Moira, for reading to us from 1 Peter. I've been studying 1 Peter because it's such an early document for the Christians. And in that passage that you read to us was a lot about pain and suffering because the people that Peter wrote that document to were really in it. They were right up against it. And what's more, they knew very little about the Christian faith, a bit like our friends in Peru. But I want to say to you, come in here tonight, uh, put your seatbelts on and get ready. Because none of us know, like in that passage it says, none of us know what God's going to do. And that's really challenging. Some people just like to keep God uh, in a nice little box for a Sunday morning and, uh, and just sort of a saucer of milk every now and again. But stay where you are, please. I want to say, in my entire ministry, which is uh, over 30 years now, I've always explained to my churches when I've been sharing in the Lord's Supper that if they wished for me to lay hands on them for healing, then remain at the rail and I would do that. And that's what I've practiced throughout my ministry. And uh, now, one of my first churches was uh, a bit posh for me, really. Uh, But they just couldn't get anybody else. That's why the stationing committee sent me there. And there were some people in that congregation. Now, you'll find this hard to believe, I know. But 
but I used to get on the nerves a bit. <laughs> they didn't particularly like me. It was a church, that, it was a Victorian church. It had two doors, one under the spire and the other one at the other end. And it was really interesting how the people who, when I stood at that door by the spire, the people who shook hands with me there were all grateful and said, thank you, it's been a wonderful service. And all the ones who hadn't been too enamoured by it, they all went the other door. <laughs> so then, I asked the stewards to lock that door. So, they, so then, they used to go out by the toilets for the choir at the back and go that way. <laughs> One of these ladies, she came to the communion. And, and getting out of the freezer and stuff, she pulled her back oof, really bad, this lady. And, I mean, because it was me preaching, I'm surprised she came because she was in pain. But she came with her husband. And uh, in the car park afterwards, she said to him, do you know that bad pain I had? He said, yes. She said, well, after receiving communion, when I got up, it had gone. And I don't believe in this healing stuff. (laughs) And he said to her, well, you ought to go in and tell Steve Wilde just what's happened. And so she did. And... uh, Things changed for her, and we had a, 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 well, it's a long story, but however, God really did work and minister to her in some depth. And there we see an illustration of how getting an understanding of healing can move you on in your discipleship, can enable you to, uh, one of my phrases this year, to take God seriously. And I'm challenging people. To, when I was in Bolton yesterday, that's where I heard Colin Morris preach a sermon on the gospel of minimal demands, saying that we in the church just offer people just such a little bit when there's a great gospel to present to them. And that night, I took God seriously. Why, we've been near St. Paul's Cathedral today, and I thought of John Wesley saying, I felt my heart strangely warmed. What's that? I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. What's that if it's not taking God seriously? Meeting around the Lord's table tonight, seeking his touch and wholeness and healing, is all part of taking God seriously. But then, when we look at this story that Moira read from John's Gospel, and it, that was just a little bit of a really well-known story where the man was born blind and Jesus heals that man and uh, all kinds of things happen it's a wonderful bible study actually where his parents are brought before the sort of elders of the community and the Pharisees and this man and we sang it you know it's when they say well how did this happen he said I don't know all I do know is I once was blind and now can see and so He'd been healed by Jesus, but he hadn't met Jesus. And the passage that Moira read to us here is when he encounters Jesus. And when he realizes this is Jesus. Oh, it says, it's beautiful, isn't it? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. Of course he did. He, He suddenly realized the man who had helped him to see. Gosh, I had an operation earlier this year on my eye because I've got a disease in my eyes. I didn't know that I had. I just knew that I couldn't see very well and I'd walked into doors occasionally and things, but I didn't worry about it until the optician said, if you don't get this right, you're going to not be able to drive. 
and I had to have a corneal transplant. And it's, it's called Professor Abib who did it. And uh, I went in with my clerical collar on and things and said, I'm a Christian minister. And he said, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Greek Orthodox. He said, uh, do you read Greek? So I said, no, no. <laughs> but then he went on to talk to me about the Lord's Prayer and gave me a marvellous opening on all the Lord's It was wonderful. And uh, I knew that he prayed for me. I'm still praying for him. And I had a cataract removed. And I'm so grateful to him. And I bought him a book all about John Wesley that I'm going to give him next time I visit him. Because I'm so grateful to him. Because if I, if I do that, you're all blurred. If I do that, well, you all look lovely. <laughs> so to be totally blind, to be able to see, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Of course. He became a follower of Jesus because he recognised the power of Jesus. There may be people here tonight who don't know Jesus. You've come for some other reason, but I want to say to you, there's an encounter here with the risen Jesus. And in sharing, the Lord's Supper is a healing alone. Uh, Jill went to Peru. I went to Portugal for a mission in Holy Week as the president-designate. And on Easter Sunday, I had never been there before, but I went to this particular Methodist church where the congregation had all brought a friend to Easter breakfast and then to come into the service. And I preached, wandering around, and there wasn't a cloth on the elements, there was bread and and the chalices. And I'd preached with an interpreter on the, en- the encounter with the risen Christ, Mary meeting the risen Christ. Now, one unusual thing, and it was great for me as an evangelist, but as I went around preaching in Portugal, people responded to the gospel before I'd made the appeal. And in a number of places, people were, had come to the front and so on before I'd finished. That was the Holy Spirit at work. But in this particular church, on Easter Sunday morning, a young blonde woman from there pushed away along the pew and started walking down to the front as I was talking about an encounter with the risen Jesus. I'd said, as you take the bread, as you drink the wine, have an encounter with the risen Jesus. And this lady, with tears down, she just pointed to the bread. And so I brought it out, and she went like this, and she just stuffed the bread into her face. And when I talked with her afterwards, it's because when I'd said that, she just felt inside, I want Christ. I want Christ in me. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Lord, he is at work in such marvelous, exciting ways. This book tells us all about it. Half the problem is that we don't step out in faith to live it out. I mean, I could tell you all about my trip to Scotland, which was very exciting. The Edinburgh Festival, I want to go back there and run a mission. I stood only for an afternoon. I stood there with a cross with this bloke called, called Stephen. And, well, it's in the Methodist Recorder, actually, the picture of it. But, but I mean, I was able, we, we prayed with people. I led, I led a fella to Christ from Bristol. It was, but I won't tell you about that, because I just want to tell you about being on mission in London. Because I came here on Thursday to get the cassock and was with Martin and prayed for Martin. And then I got the tube at, the, at Westminster. And as I'm rattling along, because I was going to, uh, to, to, the, to, to Euston Square, the, a man came on and he was a bit unsteady on his feet and it was very full. So I, I said, would, would you like to sit? I'm in full collar. 
oh yes please so he sat there and then it stopped and a lady got up next to him so I sat next to him and he started to he said which church are you from what are you here permanently so I told him this stuff and then amazingly with all these people on the train and of course nobody talks do they so nobody's talking he told some quite amazing intimate things to me on the on the tube and uh, and I said dear brother I'll pray for you he said would you I said oh yes I'll pray for you he said no would you pray for me now and what came out next was that he wanted faith so that he could pray for himself and for some of these situations he told me about. And I said, you can have faith. You can have faith right here on the tube. I mean, we're rattling how many feet we were below sea level, I don't know. But it didn't matter, did it? I said, I'll pray with you. Good, he said. So I said the prayer. And he was just beaming, this fella. He said, how can I thank you? I said, don't you? I thank you. Hallelujah. This is God at work. Well, I didn't know what everybody was thinking. And uh, we, turned, we then came into the, to the tube station. So, I, you know, I, I outshouted this lady who said, mind the gap. Because I said, God bless you all on the tube. Because <laughs> they'd all heard the message, hadn't they? So I thought, who knows? And, uh, and I'd laid hands, I mean, I'm talking about healing. I laid hands on them as well for healing on the tube. So, oh, well, isn't that wonderful? And then I went home to do Bob's funeral. And then I came back on the sleeper on Friday night. Because I'd got to go to Bolton and Rochdale. And because uh, and it, it was half past five in the morning, I said my prayers. And then I had a, a, a wash and a shave and went to Bolton and Rock. When I came back this morning, this morning, I had a shower and I realised I'd left my razor on the train. I'm so gormless. And I, I went to the reception and they didn't have any because Laura said, ask the reception. Uh, so I thought, well, perhaps there'll be a Tesco Extra or something open. So I got off because I was at Wesley's Chapel this morning. And I got off the tube and I went up the steps and hallelujah, there was a local Sainsbury's and it was open. So I went in and I couldn't find the razors and the young lady said, no, you've got to buy them from behind the counter. So I, and I'm there in the full collar and made straw hat. And this young man is in front of me. And, um, and he looked, so he turned around when I appeared there with my suitcases and he said, oh, are you on holiday? Because I suppose I've got my son out. I said, well, no. <laughs> I, are, I do live in Cornwall, but I'm not on holiday because I'm here to preach the gospel to London. And I'm really excited about it. He said, is that what you're doing? I said, yes. So then he said, really unusual. This is this, is this morning. This is, here's the razors. Look. He said, this is an encounter. That's what he said to me. I said, yes, this is an encounter. I said, because I'm in this queue with you. And by this time, the girl at the till was sort of going, Whoa. Oh, come on, so I, said, I haven't got many minutes and I? So I said, and I just want to bless you and so I planted my head on his hand and I said, what do you call? He said, Paul I said, Lord Jesus, bless Paul you see, so then I paid he paid for his stuff, which is a, some pints of milk and, and, I, and I paid for these and he waited for me, and he said so where, where are you preaching and where are you doing a service? I said, I'm just down the streets here at Wesley's Chapel. I didn't know there was a church there. I said, well, there is. There's some trees there, and it's just there, and it says 11 o'clock. And brother, you would be most welcome to come. And he said, uh, well, um, you know, he was taken aback by me being so enthusiastic. So this morning, in Wesley's pulpit, what an exciting place to stand, and I'm excited to be standing here as well. I said to them, do you know, this morning in Sainsbury's, I met a young man called Paul, and in his ear, I don't want him to stand up, 
But, and then I said a little bit about him journeying with Christ. And that being a step. Well, when we were doing the Lord's Supper, me and Jill, and handing out the bread and wine, there was this lad who knelt with, you know how fashionable it is, these sort of Italian trilby hats, who had one of, a blue one of them. I thought, Lord, I've never given communion to anybody with an hat on before. <laughs> no, a man with an hat on before. So I didn't recognise him. That was Paul. At the door, he came to me. He'd been weeping. This is this morning. And he said, when you gave me the bread and wine, I've realised this is it. This is, this, is, this is for me. I want to follow you. I've wrapped my arms around him. And then, as, and of course, Lord, so then as quick as I could, I, tried, I got this lady who's, who was at the, the Westless Chapel to grab him and get his name and address and everything. So I get an, an email. And do you know, the people at Westless Chapel were so loving to this brother. And, they were, and there was a dinner afterwards. And so he was welcomed into the dinner to share with all the food. And he was thrilled. And, and then I got this lovely plate of Caribbean food and a chocolate pudding. And I love chocolate puddings. Uh, and so I was just about to put it to, to the fork. And he said, Steve, I've got to go back to my wife. So I put my plate down and my pudding down. And I said, let me just walk with you. So I walked with him to the front of the Westlands Chapel to the gates. Because I wanted to if you like, to try and do a quick discipleship thing just with that bit, just to tell him what's what, because it's all been happening to him, hasn't it? And he wants to tell me about his wife. And how, how do I tell her? And they just live round the corner near the old uh, the tube station. And so uh, near Wesley's statue there, I prayed with him again, and then he went on his way rejoicing. And I said, hallelujah, Lord. Is there anything more wonderful than doing that? Well, a good Sunday dinner would have been all right because it, all my dinner had gone. <laughs> what a price to pay. Who cares? You see, I'm challenging the Methodist people this year to win one person for Christ. Now, you see, at Westminster Chapel, they've had it easy because I did it for them. <laughs> but they've got 400 members. I said, come on. Get some more, one for Christ, and then if this place isn't big enough, we'll pull it down and build another one. Oops, no, I didn't say that. But, but, <laughs> do you know, in Bristol, a chapel with nine members, nine members heard me say this challenge, decided they would do it, and at the beginning of August, had brought a lady into that fellowship. And on the last Sunday of August, and I've written to her, she was made a member of that church in Bristol. Another church in the, in the northeast, 27 members, they wrote to me to say, Steve, we're not doing your challenge of one person, each church. We're aiming for 27 people. We've pledged each one of us to win someone for Christ. Now, what a response God can do it. And I believe that that's about putting ourselves in the place where we can be used with what you won't do it as I've done it. I'm Steve Wilde. I do things one way. But you can do, God can use you to bring someone else to faith. And it was through healing in this scripture that the man who was born blind found faith is it here tonight for you to receive the bread and wine and to receive Jesus for the first time in your life is it for you tonight 
to pull away the barriers and to come seriously to God and to ask for maybe a healing of attitudes for God to be able to use you. Maybe tonight you need hands laid on you to be filled with love and how Jesus longs to do that for us. Oh, friends, there's a great task in winning the world for Christ. And we mustn't lose bottle in this. We need to be strong, not in our own strength, but in Christ, who can do all things through us. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your healing grace. Thank you for our brother Paul, new into the faith this morning. Please use us to bring people to an understanding of your love and an acceptance of you as Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen.